Good, well, good evening. Uh, as John did just say, uh, we are continuing the series that Matt began a couple of weeks ago, The Bible And. And could we have those slides up, please, Rob? If it's going to work. Let's have a look. Yes, there we go. The Bible And. And uh, Matt began a couple of weeks ago by looking at the Bible and ambition. And uh, as John says, we can be looking at a whole range of different subjects that perhaps normally we wouldn't get an opportunity to look at. So coming up over the next few weeks, we're going to be thinking about the Bible and emotions, the Bible and money, the Bible and science, the Bible and war, and other subjects as well. So this is a really varied series for the summer, which I think is quite lovely. And uh, today, as John has just said, we can be looking at a subject that I don't think often we associate with church or the Bible, and that is recreation or fun. What does the Bible have to say about recreation? And at times, I think not only do we disassociate church or the Bible from recreation, but I think we can act at times as if the Bible is somehow against fun or recreation. I think sometimes we act as if the church should be an organisation that is actively fighting against fun and recreation. But I don't quite think that's what the Bible teaches. So we're going to have a look today at what the Bible has to say about recreation. I want to show you a video as we start, and this is a video that I first saw, I think it was on camp last year, so some of you guys might have seen this, and it's produced by a band called Rend Collective, about one of their album releases, The Art of Celebration, and uh, we're going to sing that song, The Art of Celebration, we learned it a couple of weeks ago, just after this talk, and uh, what, they, what they're trying to do is to say that actually recreation should be really important to us as the church. But there's a line in what they say, which I think is really important. They say, we've realised that seriousness is not a fruit of the Spirit, but joy is. And although seriousness may not be a fruit of the Spirit, it is true that our faith is a serious faith. Our faith is incredibly important. But I think at times we misunderstand serious as to mean dry, boring and irrelevant. And what Wren Collective want to say is that because our faith is a serious faith, it impacts the whole of life and should bring joy to the whole of life. So watch this video, it's about seven minutes and then we will continue. I remember a few years ago sitting watching the sunrise. It was a typical misty Irish morning and there was a magical stillness in the air. Something happened that day that I didn't see coming. You see, I've grown up in church. I've been surrounded by the fact that Jesus loves me since I was born. But that day, something new flooded my soul. My eyes were opened and I was totally overwhelmed by the reality of God. 
that I was not alone, lost in life, that, that I was not condemned, but that I was free. And I don't know what happened, but this uncontrollable urge took over me. I jumped to my feet and started sprinting through the fields like a wild man, laughing and crying with pure joy. That was my first taste of the art of celebration. Since that day, I've learned that life has a way of draining that childlike wonder from us. Whether it's through our own failures or disappointments, whether it's suffering or betrayal, or even just familiarity, that's why we put up our defenses, isn't it? That's why we become numb. We pull back from life and become spectators because we're afraid of being hurt again. But the good news is, Jesus is always doing a new thing. He's not finished with us yet. We may doubt, we may feel like we are broken beyond repair, but He is the peace in our troubled sea. He is the healer of the brokenhearted. Recently, we made a theological breakthrough as a community, and it has changed everything about our approach. We realize that seriousness is not a fruit of the Spirit, but joy is. You see, there is an irrepressible laughter in the heart of God, and the whole universe cannot contain it. He is the one who invented celebrations and feasting and holidays. He is the one who sings and dances over us. When he suffered the cross, he did it for the joy set before him. And that joy was knowing that you and I would be fully free, no longer captive to our sin. Yes, the whole human story is described in terms of a celebration, the marriage of Christ to his bride, the church. Our God is the ultimate artist of celebration, the inventor of the party, and the healer of the broken. Now happiness is not the same thing as joy. Happiness is an emotion, a superficial response to pleasant circumstances, but joy is deeper. It's a spiritual discipline. We as people are much more inclined towards negativity and cynicism. We don't find it easy or even natural to pursue joy, and that's why God in His Word actually commands us to celebrate. We must wrestle for our blessing. We must fight for our joy.
how do we then remind ourselves as a wounded church family that we still have a reason to sing? How do we move from the edges and fringes of the party into the centre? Well, the Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. And to do that, we have to once again open up our hearts to wonder and beauty. I'm not saying to be fake or put on a false smile, but rather to always find a reason to rejoice, even if we are in the darkest circumstances. We come with a gospel worth celebrating before a celebrating king. And we think our response as worshippers should be obvious. We need to get down to the serious business of joy because the joy of the Lord is our strength. And after all, heaven's going to be the greatest party of all time and we need to start practicing now. So don't get caught up in your guilt or failure. You are forgiven, you are free and you're worth more to God than you could ever imagine. So come on. With a childlike heart, wide-eyed with wonder, let's rediscover the art of celebration. And something I really like about that clip is something that Charlotte also said last week when she was uh, giving her talk to us. And when Charlotte said this, I thought it was quite profound. And she said, and the video said, that happiness is not the same as joy. And in the video they said, happiness is the superficial response to pleasant circumstances, but joy is deeper. So the fruit of the Spirit joy that Charlotte shared about last week should be the underpinning uh, quality that characterizes our celebration and our recreation. And uh, we're going to look at two things tonight. Firstly, we're going to look at recreation generally, and then we're going to look at that one aspect of recreation, celebration. And we're going to kind of flick about in Scripture tonight, so it might be helpful if you had your Bible handy and just turned with me to the various passages as we come across them. So let's start with recreation. And that word recreation doesn't actually appear in the Bible. Neither do the words fun or entertainment actually appear in the Bible either. But we do see occasions where recreation is taking place. And the Oxford English Dictionary defines recreation as an activity done for enjoyment 
when one is not working. And the word recreation comes from a Latin word meaning recreation or renewal or to create again. And when we think about recreation in terms of recreation or renewal, we can immediately see the biblical picture behind the word recreation. Ever since the fall, in, in, back in Genesis, God has continually been bringing his people on a journey of recreation and renewal. Ultimately, in the person of Jesus, God brings every one of us back into relationship with the Father so that we can truly experience life to the full, so we can really experience what life and joy is all about. Jesus says that every human being needs to be born again. And when we think about uh, recreation and uh, being born again, I often think about new Christians and something that I've heard them say many times, and maybe you've heard it as well. Many times that someone has come to faith, they've said to me, it's as if I can see in HD, as if life has suddenly become more vibrant. And uh, as we invite Jesus into our hearts, it's as if relationships suddenly seem more fulfilling, suddenly become deeper. Joyful experiences in life can take on a new level of joy. And it's because the one who gives joy the one who is life, now lives inside of us. And he helps us to see life from God's perspective. So if recreation is about recreation or renewal, then I think as Christians, with the Holy Spirit, the giver of joy living inside us, we should be the most joyful in our recreation than anyone, because the giver of joy lives inside us. And last Sunday morning, uh, we started another new sermon series for our summer for the mornings called Living the Jesus Lifestyle. And I spoke about taking time out. And we looked at when Jesus rested and what Jesus did when he rested. And we looked at the fact that Jesus has built into his life this rhythm of activism and retreat. And Jesus lived an incredibly busy life in ministry. Jesus' schedule was full. And yet Jesus knew that he needed this rhythm of activism and retreat if he was going to be sustained in life. Time with others, time with God, and time doing and working as well. And Jesus had these 12 disciples, 12 apostles, who uh, through them, the message of Jesus, the message of new life in Jesus, began to spread throughout the whole world. But these 12 apostles were also Jesus' friends. And not only for Jesus' sake, not only for the disciples' sake, but for both of them, they needed to spend time out with each other. And uh, we're going to turn to Mark chapter 6 now, so you might want to turn to that. Mark 6. And up to this point in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus and his disciples have been very busy bees. If we skip back two chapters to Mark chapter 4, Jesus has taught crowds of people about the kingdom. In Mark 5, 
Jesus casts uh, a load of demons out of a man who is oppressed and then goes on to heal a woman who's been suffering from bleeding for 12 years. Jesus then raises a girl from the dead. And then at the beginning of Mark chapter 6, it says that Jesus went from village to village in verse 6. He went from village to village teaching and then sends out his 12 disciples to do the same. In verse 12 of chapter 6, Mark says, The disciples went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. So Jesus and his disciples, up to this point, have been busy. And I can imagine that as Jesus' disciples return, they're going to be excited but they're going to be tired as well. And in verse 30, the passage says that they gathered round Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Verse 31 continues, Because so many people were coming and going, they didn't even have a chance to rest. And Jesus said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. And I'm sure that as the disciples heard Jesus say those words, those words would have just sounded like bliss. They've had a great time. They've seen God do some amazing things. But now they're tired. And they just want some flop time with Jesus. Just some time off. Just some R&R. And for both Jesus and his disciples, this one-to-one time, this quality time, was time for recreation or recreation and renewal. And the Father gave Jesus these 12 apostles, yes, so that the message of the kingdom would begin to spread, but also because the Father knew that Jesus had a very human need for relationships, to invest in relationships. And we have that same need. Again, last Sunday morning, I spoke about the fact that We live in a society where time to invest in relationships is increasingly being squeezed out, where we're constantly on the go from one thing to the next. But God's plan for recreation and renewal is to do with each other. It's to do with us as the church. It's to do with the people that God has placed around us. And so for you, who are those people Who are those people that God has put around you who just give you life, just give you energy, people you just love to be around? It's so easy to allow the busyness of life to stop us from investing in those relationships. But part of God's plan for our recreation is that we would receive life from those people around about us. Jesus needed to carve out time to invest in those relationships. And we need to carve out that time as well. I do believe that this does raise an important question for us, not only in the UK, but here in Aldridge as well. There are many people who live alone and who never get the opportunity to have these sorts of conversations. And as, here as the church, as Aldridge Parish Church, we try and reach out to those people But it is something that every one of us is capable of doing. Even if it's just a phone call to someone who otherwise 
may not get an opportunity to chat to anyone for maybe days at a time. Three chapters after this story in Mark's Gospel, in Mark chapter 9, Jesus takes with him Peter, James and John, and they go on a day hike up a mountain as Jesus is transfigured before them. At the end of Mark's Gospel, in Mark chapter 14, Jesus has his last meal on earth, and he spends it with his best friends, before he's then betrayed, condemned to death, and then crucified. But Jesus knew that he needed to invest time in those people who gave him life. We need to do the same. Recreation is about recreation. So it's okay if you want to go to Costa and have a drink with a friend. It's okay if you want to go to the Avian and have a burger with a friend. Hallelujah. It's okay if you want to go for a walk with a friend around Sutton Park. We need to spend these times investing in relationships. And recreation is important because it accompanies periods of doing and work. And uh, in Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 15, Solomon says, I commend the enjoyment of life because nothing is better for a man under the sun than to eat and drink and be glad. Then joy will accompany him in his work all the days of the life God has given him under the sun. So there's a direct relation here between the joy we find in recreation and the joy we can find in work as well. And just as there's a direct relation between recreation or the joy in recreation and the joy in work, so we have those less often but perhaps longer periods of recreation as well where God restores us in different ways. And uh, celebration is all about uh, taking joy, choosing to take joy in either our own or someone else's achievement or success. I'm guessing some of you have had time celebrating the fact that you finished your exams, maybe graduating uni. Maybe some of you, and I'm sure many of you, were here yesterday celebrating the wedding of the now new Mr. and Mrs. Matt and Beth Bryant. Woo-woo, hallelujah, that's good. And uh, we were there celebrating the fact that they were committing themselves to each other in the presence of God for the whole of their lives. And they are things to celebrate. And just as that video said, at times... There are times in scripture when God commands his people to celebrate. In the book of Deuteronomy, in chapter 16, there's a feast called the Feast of Tabernacles. And uh, it was an annual festival after the harvest each year. And uh, God commanded their people to put up makeshift tents, and they would sleep in these tents for seven days. This was part of the festival. Sounds to me like an early version of New Wine or AYF Camp. In the Gospels, Jesus also loved parties. In Matthew 11, verses 18 to 19, Jesus says, For John, John the Baptist, came neither eating nor drinking, and they say, He has a demon. The Son of Man, Jesus talking about himself, came eating and drinking, and they say, Here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. 
And clearly, Jesus would not have gone and got absolutely smashed. But Jesus would have enjoyed a party. And we see other occasions in the Gospels where Jesus spends time, often with those who are uh, less than acceptable as far as society was concerned, eating with them. We heard about that this morning in John's talk. But Jesus loved to party. And we see the greatest party at the end of Scripture. As uh, John looks forward to Jesus' return in the book of Revelation, he has this amazing vision. And uh, he says this, Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters, and like loud pearls of thunder, shouting, Hallelujah! For our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. The fine linen stands for the righteous acts of the saints. And there's a holy innocence to those occasions in Scripture where celebration is described so positively. And because celebration is about sharing in the joy of someone's achievements or success, God wants to share in that as well. And when we choose to celebrate in ways that line up with Scripture, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the giver of joy who lives inside us, can make those celebrations even more joyful because he wants to be involved in them as well. I think one of the challenges for us as the church is that we would engage in celebrations, even with non-Christians, but in a way that points to something different. And this doesn't mean being boring, but completely the opposite. Joining in celebrations that reveals a depth of joy beyond anything the world has experienced. Joining in celebrations in a way that reveals the joy of the Lord rather than often the broken or the corrupt or the unhealthy forms of joy that we do see around us. So going for drinks with a colleague who's leaving work or something is a great thing to do and just choosing to stick to our limits. It's great that we can show a form of joy that points to something different. Our verse for the year last year was Colossians 3, verse 17. Can anyone remember what that was? Colossians 3, verse 17, without looking it up? Anyone? Whatever you do, whether in word or deed. Anywhere else? Do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to him through God the Father. Great. Well, at least one person knows that. That's good to hear. And maybe a good question to ask as we engage in our relaxing or celebrating is, does my relaxing or celebrating honour Jesus? Or does it discredit Jesus? If it doesn't honour him, and if it certainly is discrediting him, then maybe we ought to think about how healthy that form of celebration may or may not be. But as the church, we need to be the number one advocates for recreation and celebration. Recreation is all about the recreation, about receiving new life. 
celebration, is sharing in the joy of others. God wants to be involved in that as well. For those of us who are followers of Jesus, we have the greatest party to look forward to at the end of time. Shall we pray together, guys?